Welcome to the Upwards Podcast, an initiative of Upper House on the campus of University of Wisconsin-Madison. Through conversations with thinkers, scholars, and leaders, we explore the life of the mind and the questions of the soul to enrich our university, our community, and the church. Hello and welcome back. I'm Dan, your host. We're continuing our July look at some past events here at Upper House, centered on science, technology, and faith. Coming to you from the vault today is a recent conversation on science, race, and the church, focusing especially on Hispanic or Latinx Protestants. And the terminology is actually one of the first topics that this conversation will discuss. This was a conversation hosted by Upper House and Science for the Church, our partner organization that's partnered on a number of episodes already in the podcast. You'll recognize Greg Kutsona, one of the co-founders of Science for the Church, as the discussion host. He's talking to Edgardo Rosado, a theologian and director of the Ciencia Fe y Esperanza initiative of the Esperanza organization. Edgardo wears many hats, a couple of them being a theologian in the Wesleyan tradition and a Nazarene pastor. He's a fascinating person with deep theological wisdom and a passion for justice through his own ministry and through Esperanza's activities, mostly in the greater Philadelphia area. And this event had a precursor from the year before, from 2020, another conversation hosted by Greg on science, race, and the church. And that one featured Cleve Tinsley IV and Elaine Howard Eklund. And that uh, YouTube video will be linked to in the show notes. And finally, this conversation with Greg and Edgardo, it took place over Zoom, as so many do these days. And we had a, a freak internet outage at one point during the event, and we had some minor connectivity issues throughout. Now, we've managed to clear away many of them in editing, but you'll still hear a few glitches throughout. Some things are just out of our control, uh, but we're glad to bring you the conversation in any case. With that, we're wishing you a warm and restful July from the Upper House staff, and we're happy to share with you this recent conversation with Greg Kutsona and Edgardo Rosado. I'm Greg Kutsona, and I want to welcome you to Science, Race, and Faith, Insights from Hispanic Congregations. I'm co-director of Science for the Church and a lecturer in Comparative Religion and Humanities at Chico State University. It's, one of, it's been one of the serendipities of the past year to have met Dr. Reverend Dr. Edgardo Rosado, pastor, scholar, community leader, and from what I've heard, a rockin' electric bass player. Reverend Dr. Rosado provides us at Science for the Church and, of course, the wider uh, world, honestly, fresh insights on connecting faith and science for Hispanic Christians, uh, who, by some estimates, are 40, number 45 million in the United States. He's Associate Project Director at Esperanza's Science and Faith Initiative and Adjunct Professor at Nazarene Bible College, Visiting Scholar at European Nazarene College, Executive Pastor with the Church of Nazarene in Media, Pennsylvania. He holds a PhD and an MA in Pastoral Leadership and a BA in Biblical Studies, all from the Inter-American University of Puerto Rico. So, Edgardo, it's going to be really fun to talk with you. Uh, yeah, likewise, uh, I've been looking forward uh, to this uh, to this conversation, uh, to this time uh, together, even uh, in a virtual space. Uh, feel a true kinship uh, with you, and uh, I'm glad to uh, 
I'm glad that we have this time, you know, to come together and the technology that allows us to share and, and, and talk about these uh, important, uh, in, important subjects, uh, even uh, if there's a whole bunch of miles uh, between us. So, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to be here today. Well, I mean, our, our, our friendship is come, has been nurtured all the way through COVID. We uh, have never been in the same room together, but I feel like I really know you uh, well and, I, and, and that you are a partner in this work of faith and science. So there's a first part I want to ask about because it's, it's in the title, right? Um, Hispanic congregations. So you could help, I think, many of us unfold uh, the terms uh, Latinx, Latino, and Hispanic, which have some different emphasis, you know, one on the place of origin, one on the, the language that's spoken. And uh, so maybe tell us about those terms as we talk about that co- the context for this conversation of faith and science. Uh, sure. Uh, I, I think that, uh, I don't know, in, in, in kind of a strange way, uh, the nomenclature, all those, uh, all those uh, words uh, that you were talking about, Hispanic, Latino, Latina, uh, Latinx, uh, they are, they're kind of interchangeably uh, to refer or to talk about a group of people uh, that, that have a common bond of the Spanish language uh, behind them. Different uh, differences, uh, regional differences, uh, and, and many other aspects uh, are thrown into the mix uh, to kind of uh, kind of complicate uh, kind of complicate the issue. Uh, and 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 you didn't even use uh, one of the you know other terms that is used, which is, will be like Afro Caribbean, also englobates or, or brings together uh, uh, Hispanics uh, that are of an African heritage. The Dominican Republic, uh, Cuba, uh, and and even the Lesser Antilles to a to a uh, to a bigger extent. Uh, I think that uh, within the social sciences and the and, and the world of anthropology, uh, the term Latin X uh, has been kind of coined uh, to talk uh, to talk about or to refer uh, about this this wide uh, group of. Uh, of, of, of people with, uh, with, uh, with cultural differences, uh, with regional differences, uh, in an attempt uh, uh, to approach the whole, uh, the, the whole Hispanic world uh, and the new world uh, from, the, from, the, from the standpoint of social justice uh, and to help, uh, to help bring the plight uh, and the issues and, and the problems and difficulties that, that, that the Latinx people uh, experience uh, and to study it from an academic uh, perspective. Uh, so yeah, uh, one, of our, one of our latest conversations, or not one of our latest conversations, but one of our ongoing conversations uh, was surrounding the preference between Latinx uh, and Hispanic. And, and if you re- remember a year ago, or a little bit more than a year ago, lost track of time, uh, started the conversation uh, using, uh, you know, talking about my preference of using Hispanic, uh, but the more I, uh, I work uh, in the social justice uh, and, and social sciences and humanities uh, side of this, uh, of this mayhem or this business, uh, the more I have become uh, attuned or accustomed to use the, the, the term Latinx to talk to about the issues uh, and, and, and the pressures and all the things that, that go behind that. Yes. All right. Well, we'll, we'll go with Latinx uh, as our primary word adjective and Maybe we'll slip in or I'll slip in Hispanic and Latino from time to time. I'll just say a little bit about my biography and how I come to this conversation. Then I want to hear about yours as well. Um, So one of the things for me is that, as I said, I 
uh, and as you know, Edgar, Edgardo, um, I man, I co-direct uh, the organization Science for the Church with Drew Rick Miller, and uh, we bring resources, scientific resources, to tr- Christian congregations. So, if anybody's interested in that, um, you're always welcome to go to uh, scienceforthechurch.org and find more. The reason I got into this is uh, that I served after I finished a PhD in science and theology. I served as a pastor in 1996 till today in various different forms. Um, past six years, I've not been serving a congregation like full time, but I've been uh, actually serving the university in my town, Chico State University, teaching in uh, religion and humanities. And, and one of the things that I find really important about this faith and science conversation is that so many people today are rejecting Christian faith because they think it is not compatible with science. And that's particularly true of, uh, of a younger demographic, especially the well-known 18 to 30-year-olds, emerging adults that are disaffiliating for the church or becoming not religiously affiliated or the nun. So I'm really cons- I'm really interested in that that side of things, and also one of the things that Drew and I have discovered as we've done projects and initiatives with congregations is that when these congregations do their work, often preparing a scientist and a, a pastor or a Christian leader in in uh, bringing faith and science, that the the congregation grows not only in understanding science, but in their faith and in their vibrancy of faith. So I, we, we believe this is really something, this, meaning the conversation of faith and science, is really important for the church. Now, one of the things, though, that we've discovered, and one of the reasons why this conversation today, Ed, is so important, is we recognize that often um, the conversation has felt, it hasn't felt very diverse. Uh, we'll just look at the diversity uh, in terms of race and ethnicity. And um, it's felt like an extra conversation and in some ways. So often times I'll say I do faith and science work and somebody will say, well, I don't think I'm really smart enough for that. And part of that, I think, comes from this conversation doesn't often feel like it's landed for people. It doesn't feel like it's a real life issue. And I think part of the reason to, to broaden this conversation is to make sure it lands in various contexts um, and particularly as we talk today in the context of the Latinx church. I know you're going to have a lot more to say about that, but I want to ask you first about your bio and how you got interested in the connection of Christian faith and science. Uh, yeah, that was a, that is kind of a, a long story. You know, uh, I born and raised in Puerto Rico uh, to a Christian family. Um, I felt uh, always felt a, a deep interest uh, kind of spurred by, by, by my dad. Uh, he always pushed me and my brother, you know, study uh, and, and study. And if you have more time, please continue studying. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of a, that was kind of the marching order uh, in our household. So uh, we we all paid uh, paid attention to that. And and uh, we're glad about that today. Uh, you know, from the from the onset, uh, I had a, a keen interest uh, in becoming a medical doctor. Uh, so, you know, once I finished uh, high school, uh, that's uh, that that was next steps for me, you know, going to uh, going to a pre-med program uh, and, and, and start, uh, you know, pre- preparing or taking the next steps uh, to fulfill that uh, that dream. Uh, in the midst of all that, I felt God calling me uh, into ministry, uh, which was kind of a 
kind of a curveball that, that God kind of threw into my plans. Uh, so I did not finish uh, pre-med, uh, left the program, I think, uh, with four or five classes left, almost, but not quite there. Uh, and, uh, and kind of went into, a, into an exploration of, of, of what God uh, wanted me to do. So I ended up uh, completing a whole different undergrad uh, in, in Bible and theology, uh, a master's uh, of arts in pastoral leadership, and, and, and my PhD is in actual theology uh, with a focus on uh, research focus on, 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 on John Wesley's Christology as, a, as an instrument of social change. Uh, you know, how, how can we use faith, uh, our belief in Christ, uh, to change uh, our, our context, our community uh, today, not as an eschatological hope or, 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 or something that will happen uh, one of these days, but, but how can we uh, insert ourselves as people of faith uh, to bring about transformation that is rooted in the love of God, the love of Christ, the love of neighbor, and, and, and rooted in, 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 in God's justice uh, and equity for all. Science uh, never left uh, my interest. It just kind of became a hobby uh, on the side. So, you know, seeing how theology uh, and my faith uh, was enriched uh, and, my, and my understanding and, and, and vision of how God works in the world was amplified uh, by, by, by understanding the confluence or the, uh, or the commonality, you know, the, the, the coming together of, of, of both science and faith as, as windows uh, of, of being able to interpret and understand how God reveals himself uh, into our world. So uh, that's kind of, uh, of who I am uh, academically. You know, I, I've worked as a pastor for, oh my goodness, uh, 20, 22 years to take uh, within the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, pastoring uh, multicultural congregations, uh, both in Philadelphia, uh, Colorado, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, Washington, D.C., and, uh, you know, kind of coming back full circle uh, to the Philadelphia area, Philadelphia region, uh, and and kind of immersing myself uh, kind of in the academic side of things and also in the social work uh, arena or, 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 you know, field uh, as, as it relates to uh, to make it a better community for the Latinx community that lives in Philadelphia. Yeah, it, coincidentally, it's, it's, it's another uh, another interest of mine uh, as I do uh, postdoctoral work uh, and research in uh, how the dynamics of being uh, the next person living in an economically depressed community or being able to fulfill their dreams of higher education. So, you know, that's that's my next dissertation. Well, and your next PhD, I think, right? Aren't you getting a second PhD in that? Uh, yeah. Uh, glutton for punishment. I think uh, that's what my wife calls. Well, you know, uh, I have a friend who's a, a German scholar and they will, <laughs> they'll go with the Reverend Dr. Doctor. So next time I introduce you, perhaps it'll be the Reverend Dr. Doctor Edgardo Rosado. Oh God. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's going to be something. Just keep doing that. I mean, we can go with as many doctors as you want. Uh, that I think is fascinating. Obviously it's fascinating that when, when we talk about, you know, Latinx, Hispanic, uh, these aren't just designations that talk about, you know, the origin of the area or the language spoken. But like you said, there are social justice components. And particularly as Christians, when we look at the world around us, social justice is incredibly important. I'm going to venture just put my toe into Wesleyan theology and say that Wesley was such an amazing combination of uh, ethics and theology and 
also engaging in his time with the natural science or the natural philosophy, as it was called, of his day. So he's really uh, an amazing uh, example for what you do. But I'm getting a little off track. I wanted to ask you um, about this uh, Latinx church. And um, of course, this could be a dissertation question itself. But can you just help sketch for those who are listening some of the ways that um, Latinx Christians in the United States are, you know, identify themselves as Protestants, as Pentecostals, as Evangelicals, as Catholics. How does that um, give contours to this, you know, large demographic of about 45 million people in the United States? Yeah, the, yeah that is a question and a half. Uh, it, is a, it, is, it, is a, it is a hard question. Uh, it is a hard question to answer and, 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 and to give precise, uh, precise uh, statistical analysis of that. Um, I cannot speak uh, for the United States at large, uh, but I can uh, I can speak uh, more clearly about our contextual uh, work here in, in, in Philadelphia through Esperanza. Uh, our constituency, uh, the Latinx uh, community uh, in Philadelphia, uh, I think that 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 kind of falls into two large uh, into two large groups. Uh, you have a, a large uh, contingent of, of Latinx uh, people uh, that are Catholic, uh, and uh, you know you can you can talk about the sociological aspects uh, of, of of why uh, that is uh, going all the way back to the to the discovery and the, and the conquest and the evangelization process uh, of Spain uh, that Spain brought to the uh, to the New World, uh, and, uh, and 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 how that has taken a hold. Uh, in the in the Latinx uh, idiosyncrasy and culture, so so you will have uh, you will have a large number of uh, of Latinx uh, people that will identify as Catholic. Some of them are practicing, some of them are not. Uh, you know, they were baptized uh, as children, uh, they were confirmed, and uh, this is the ancestral faith uh, that were given by uh, by their parents. Uh, so they identify uh, as as Catholic. Um, Although may not be a practicing uh, Catholic at this point, uh, but you know the, the other side of this coin, uh, at least for the Philadelphia region, uh, is uh, it's a large, uh, large number of, 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 of Latinx Christians uh, identifying as, as as some form of Pentecostal, be it assemblies of God or 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 or, or an independent. Uh, loosely affiliated to the Pentecostal movement uh, type of a group. So we have uh, we have uh, in our network, uh, and I'm talking about the, the city per se. I'm not talking about the tri-state region. I'm talking about the the the, the, the urban uh, lines of demarcation of the city. Uh, we have uh, about 180 uh, clergy. And I would say that 90% of our clergy uh, is uh, Pentecostal. Uh, we have a have a little a little bit of a of a, of a United Methodist uh, uh, clergy, uh, United Methodist Church clergy. I think one or two Baptists, and uh, and man, I think that there's uh, two uh, crazy Nazarene Hispanic pastors uh, within the city, uh, and I'm one of them. Yeah, you're 50% of that demographic, right? <laughs> I am fifty percent of the of the Latinx uh, Nazarene clergy uh, demographic. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, so yeah, it's it's hard to uh, to to ascertain 
because you know the Latinx uh, is simply not a monolith uh, in itself. Uh, it's it's like like every other uh, you know uh, group you will have. Uh, you will have a, a, a wide palette of colors uh, and tastes and nuances, uh, nuanced approaches to faith, uh, even within the, 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 the Hispanic group. And, uh, you know, we, we can we can uh, widen that circle and, and, and take it to other, uh, you know, faiths that uh, faith approach or faith traditions that that fall out of, uh, of what we would consider Christian faiths. Uh, and, and you will find some of those as well. So just to repeat, you said there's a large majority of Pentecostals in this group of 180 that you relate to. So, you know, um, this will probably be uh, old news from some listeners, but that the Pentecostal movement starting largely in the early 1900s as a particular movement um, is it emphasizes the gifts of the spirit that are given in Acts 2 and Pentecost, speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing and so on. And so often, uh, again, not to generalize and stereotype, but there is there are some trends with that theology that say, well, the world of Christianity is the world of, or, or the importance of Christianity is in the spirit, and uh, not as much in uh, what we see, but what by our eyes, what we see by faith. And there are uh, particularities about bringing the connection with faith and science to that community. That's, that's one thing. And the second thing I think that we've talked about um, is just as a point of context in the Latinx churches and congregations that you're part of, you may not have the paid seminary trained pastor, you know, doing every function that might be commonplace for, again, some of our listeners. Um, Like I, I personally have been in some multi-staff churches. So, you know, we had lots of relatively lots of, ordained or trained people on staff. So that's another part of this. And then the third part is you, as you spoke about right at the beginning, you've got some very particular social needs uh, and, uh, you know, uh, needs that are present to the community. Um, So I often give this example, like understanding quantum physics and quantum entanglement and, uh, you know, the way, what's causation in quantum physics and how does that relate to, uh, I don't know, prayer and God's work in our life. That is not going to be as important as is how is God connecting uh, with me through medical science, for example. Or I, I'd love to give this example and and then I'll let, let you talk. There is a question in here somewhere. Um, how, you know, Esperanza said, uh, we, you know, people can get vaccinated for COVID in downtown, as I understand it, I'm uh, in Philadelphia, but your community wasn't close to downtown. It was like an hour, an hour and a half bus ride, right? So even though it was technically free, getting time off of work, taking that bus ride, getting childcare, whatever, that was a huge barrier. So you actually opened up a clinic to vaccinate people in your community. And to me, that's a faith and science thing. I guess what I'm trying to make it land is those are the kind of issues, the kinds of issues that are important in some of the congregations that you face. In other words, very practical life issues and then uh, connecting that with some of the theology, which has a different angle on how to bring faith and science together. So I suppose that's just sort of a smorgasbord of options. Pick one off the table that you want to respond to and comment on. I think that the, the last thing that I was talking about is the, the you know, that, that at Esperanza, we, we believe, uh, we firmly believe uh, in the importance of, uh, of, of moving forward our, with our project, with the Science, Faith, and Hope project, the Ciencia, Fe, Esperanza, 
because we want uh, to instill in our young people uh, the, the deep-seated belief uh, that, that pursuing a career in science, uh, technology, engineering, and mathematics is within their grasps. Uh, and, and, and they can come to see it uh, not just as a career move, but also as a vocational uh, as a vocational move, you know, like like responding or answering God's call uh, for their lives, uh, so they can become, uh, you know, part of the of the movers and shakers of of, of this technological uh, and scientific wave that is coming our way. Uh, so instead of being, uh, you know, their jobs being affected, uh, their future careers being affected by by the changes, they are the ones leading uh, the change, and then they can become. Uh, or they can find themselves in a in a better position uh, to bring about uh, a great revival and transformation uh, within our community uh, and make it a better place to live. You know, move uh, the community from a place of scarcity uh, and move it to a place of abundance uh, and beauty and 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 and, and social connectedness and and and. And, and abundance of resources everywhere we go. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we were trying to affect that change uh, through our social engagements and scientific engagements as well. I think that was the last thing I was talking about. Yeah, I mean, that, that touches my heart so deeply. The, uh, I, I believe that whenever we are baptized and or confess Christ, we are sent out in mission. And so we need to look at the church as the church sent, the church in mission, right? And so one of those mission fields is science and technology. And a part of that for us uh, at Science for the Church has been to help churches to see how do pastors and Christian leaders nurture their congregation, their young, the young part of the congregation to go into science and technology, and how do we help continue to disciple scientists and technologists in our congregations. And the diversity side of this is, as I don't need to state it to, uh, because I know you're familiar with it, but just to say it, I think it's worth always reminding ourselves the representation um, of, um, you know, people in, from the Latinx community, from black, uh, the black community and so on, is lower in science than uh, the white community. And so as churches, we can really be a part of this, which I think is incredibly important. So amen, amen to this work. I, I thought we'd have a little fun, though. Can we have a little bit of theological fun? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm trained as a, as a uh, reform a Presbyterian pastor in the Calvinist tradition. You're you're a theologian in the uh, Nazarene tradition. So I thought we'd just talk for uh, the next section about how do our traditions address this faith and science work, right? So so for me, part of what we lean on um, in in the broad Reformed tradition is, of course, the sovereignty of God and the emphasis on God as creator. So God is not only revealed in Scripture, which is central, you know, Scripture alone, sola scriptura is so important to us. Sola scriptura is where we find everything we need to know for the self, for faith and salvation. But we also recognize that God speaks in Revelation through uh, creation as creator. And that's the, not only the first book, the book of God in Scripture, but the book of God, as it said, in creation. And we want to make sure that... Uh, we always learn from creation. And, and the reason I mentioned that second book that God has written is that that's where scientists so often help us understand uh, God's speaking, as it were. So um, God is the sole author of these two books. They don't contradict. 
once again, we find salvation in Jesus Christ through the scripture. We also find complementary insights uh, from science. So that's one of the ways I, um, I as a Reformed theologian, look at it. And I, I know that you've talked about um, drawing, I believe it's from James, the book of James, that every good and perfect gift comes from God, right? And that things like scientific advances and new technologies and our understanding of how, who, how we're made, like neurotheology, uh, neuroscience, these are things that guide us as Christians to see this as a gift from God. So, so my particular question, I'm going to try to be less, more precise this time. My particular question is, as a Nazarene theologian, how do you come, and pastor, how do you come to this topic of faith and science? One of the things that, that really challenged me uh, when, while I was uh, working on my doctoral dissertation was the, the realization that, that, that Wesley uh, that Wesley was uh, had a fundamentally different view of what a Christian ought to do and how a Christian ought to behave or conduct him or herself uh, towards the rest of humanity. And I think I think he he kind of boiled it down to two uh, to two fundamental uh, areas. Uh, the first one will be works of piety, and the second one is mercy. Uh, is the second one, yeah, yeah, and 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 they kind of stem out uh, of of his understanding of of what living a holy life was all about. It was encapsulated in the great commandment, you know, love God uh, with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Ergo, uh, the works of piety are the works that mark uh, or, or 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 sustain our love towards God. Is uh, uh, it's spiritual discipline practices. It's, it's praying and, and, and feeding uh, in the word of God, you know, uh, not forsaking the assembly of the brethren, participating of the sacraments uh, and, and, and living in that connection uh, with, uh, with the community of faith as to, as to sustain our pursuit of a deeper relationship with God. And uh, the second uh, is an outgrowth of the first one, you know, works of piety uh, inevitably, you know, as you search God uh, with all your heart and with all your mind uh, in Wesley's uh, conception, uh, this will lead you to the second one, which is the works of mercy, uh, which, you know, the the best way to describe it is Matthew 25 uh, type of stuff, you know, uh, because uh, I was naked uh, and you clothed me and, 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 and I was hungry and you fed me, and I was thirsty, uh, and, and I was in, in jail, I was, I was sick, and you tended to the needs, uh, the present uh, and, and physical needs uh, of, 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 of those that are around you. That's, that's, kind, of a, that's kind, of, kind of how Wesley understood the whole, uh, the whole thing. You know, this is what the Bible says, uh, but this is how we ought to live out what the Bible says. To the point, uh, to the point that Wesley, uh, Wesley embarked in an intellectual pursuit to learn all he could about medicine uh, so he could actually help uh, the destitute, uh, the poor, the people that were indentured uh, slaves, the people that the crown, uh, nor the crown, nor the church was interested in, in engaging with them. He said, hey, we are here to love God by loving these people. Ergo, we ought to do everything in our power. So let's 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 put our pennies together uh, so we can buy medicine for the people that need medicine. Uh, let's let's learn all we can so we can 
so we can make you know the, the the latest technological and scientific and medical advances available to to this mass of people that have no way of engaging with that. So uh, and 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 again, I'm a weird Nazarene because I think that I'm at this point I'm more Wesleyan than Nazarene uh, because of my you know uh, academic and intellectual pursuits. Uh, so some of my Nazarenes uh, may not be in full agreement with what I say. Uh, I think that the, that should be our marching orders uh, from 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 a theological vintage point uh, of the Nazarene Church today. Uh, yes, we are still called to understand uh, that the Bible is 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 is, is central. You know, it's, it's it's the one that reveals God to us and allow us to understand whom God is. Uh, but also, there's the other sphere of this understanding God, which pushes us to color outside of that line and do whatever it takes, uh, be it scientific pursuit, intellectual pursuit, understanding better the world around us so we can create systems uh, that support the needs of uh, the least of these. I think that that's written in the Bible somewhere. I cannot remember where. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, for, for the least of these. Uh, so, you know, we ought to do those things as our service to God and as our as our service to our fellow man. So, you know, I, I know you did some surveying of uh, your local churches and uh, particularly on this question of interdependency and uh, confluence of faith and science. I think we didn't get to that question with a technological breakdown. So what were some of the statistics that came out of your survey of the community that you're in and how people uh, view faith and science? Yeah, uh, let me let me preface uh, my uh, my my presentation of uh, of uh, of our statistical analysis uh, by saying that uh, we started the project uh, right in the middle of the of the of the lockdown orders of the pandemic. Uh, so uh, our first uh, our intention was to go you know door to door uh, visiting pastors. Uh, in, in if you're familiar with Philadelphia, uh, you know that in the world of row homes, uh, you're going to find a whole bunch of uh, uh, of storefront churches that are small in nature, uh, very local, minister to that, to that, you know, those those surrounding blocks, and we were interested in knowing uh, what this clergy uh, and these congregations had to uh, had to say about the whole conversation. Uh, but because we were forced to uh, shift from a face to face approach to a virtual approach, our survey. Uh, was conducted uh, virtually, you know. Uh, so the people that we were able, the clergy that we were able to reach, uh, were the clergy that were already technolo- technologically savvy, uh, and uh, and 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 were uh, were a little bit more, uh, you know, educated than. Uh, and, and and what I mean is, you know, that they had you know BAs and MAs, uh, and and are not the typical pastor within the within the within the the, the, the geographical zone that we serve. So uh, our data is kind of uh, it's kind of tainted, and, and, and I don't mean tainted in, in a bad way. So, you know, it's colored uh, in, in such a way that reflects the unique subsegment of the population that we uh, that we were able to reach uh, through our uh, through our sampling. Uh, so that particular sampling uh, showed uh, showed some uh, some very interesting uh, data. Uh, one of the questions that that we asked uh, was you know precisely that. That uh, relationship between science and faith, and we were uh, we were kind of uh, kind of uh, surprised to know or to learn 
that 50% uh, of, of all uh, the clergy that responded uh, to our survey reported that religion is central to all science. And what they were saying is that our understanding of God, our theological understanding, uh, has a, 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 a large part on how we understand science and theology. So that means that we, we accept science uh, when it's not in conflict with our doctrinal or theological or faith positions. Uh, so that, that, that is really important because, you know, part of the battle is already, it's already fought and won. Uh, 50% of the pastors uh, understand that, that, that science is, in essence, a gift uh, from God and needs to be uh, applied. You know, every good and perfect gift comes from God, as James uh, James declared, um, and uh, you know, out of that, twenty uh, percent expressed that that religion is central uh, to some of the science. So you know, uh, kind of uh, drawing that that distinction uh, even further. You know, uh, kind of speaking of a uh, uh, yeah, science uh, it has some beneficial aspects, uh, but by and large, uh, you know, most of of, of scientifically scientific uh, scientific inquiry. Uh, it's kind of juxtaposed uh, to our faith. Uh, and only 17% uh, understood uh, that they are at war, no correlation whatsoever. They are two separate entities, two separate worlds, uh, different ends of the spectrum, and they never, uh, they never cross paths or coexist. Out of that uh, survey, we also, uh, we also ask if faith and, 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 and medical and scientific advances Kind of trying to ascertain uh, if, uh, if 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 our Hispanic or Latinx clergy uh, was open to the idea uh, that once a COVID nineteen vaccine was available, uh, all of this is pre uh, pre COVID nineteen vaccine. It's just at the at the onset. Uh, once a, a vaccine is available, uh, if our if our if our parishioners and our clergy uh, were going to be uh, you know inclined uh, to participate in a massive uh, vaccination effort, and 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 at that point we came to uh, to, to to find out that fifty percent fifty percent of our clergy said that yeah those scientific advances are compatible sometimes, uh, which kind of correlates uh, to some of the hesitancy that we kind of see on the flip side uh, of, of 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 where we find ourselves today. You know, uh, yeah, we were able to uh, to establish a, a community vaccination center. Yes, we were able to. Uh, to move a significant uh, amount of uh, of, uh, of Latinx uh, of the Latinx community to be uh, vaccinated against uh, COVID nineteen, uh, but there were uh, that fifty percent that there were always this lingering uh, question and lingering doubt uh, behind you know the, the the more fantastic approaches that we have seen you know lately uh, attached to the to the to the COVID nineteen vaccination you know buying fully into, uh, I don't know, stuff like, like there's a chip in the vaccine, ergo we're not going to be vaccinated, stuff like, uh, you know, it, it is the mark of the beast, uh, so we cannot be vaccinated. Uh, and, and, you know, sadly, uh, some of that is being uh, pushed uh, from our pulpits. Uh, so, yeah, it's an interesting uh, statistical analysis, uh, but, but you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it gives us some hope uh, because at least uh, – we thought uh, that 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 this that 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 the divergence, the the the, the disconnection, uh, the juxtaposition was going to be larger. Uh, so we have uh, an opening 
uh, in our within our you know uh, clergy community and and, and our uh, Latinx uh, Christian community uh, that is open to some of the sciences. I guess uh, you know the rest is is, is education. Uh, it's uh, providing safe spaces where we can talk about it and present resources that that that, that talk about this from 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 a from a Christian perspective uh, and, uh, and and giving them the opportunity to vent out uh, in a trusted uh, space uh, and, and to hear from trusted voices uh, that, that, that we can trust in the gifts that God has given us. Yeah, yeah, which is so important. And, and one of the things I, I, I want to draw out here is what is the message for the church? You know, I, in, the, in my work as a pastor, in the work with science for the church, we really want Christians in congregations to hear that science is a gift from God and to learn from the scientists in their congregation that they have relationships with. Um, and that science following that is really broad, right? There are a lot, a lot of times we focus on particular hot button issues. Uh, we haven't gotten into evolution and creation, which of course is one that comes up a lot, but you know, what does science tell us about the soul is another one. And yet I think what COVID has demonstrated is these great scientific resources we have in our congregations uh, and in the community, they can help people in the in our, the pews to see that science can be beneficial. So that's a positive. And uh, we all are facing some of the misinformation that's coming forward, the mark of the beast stuff, the, you know, the chip that's the, I don't know, the micro microchip that's put into the vaccine. I mean, for goodness sake, why do you need a macro, uh, microchip in the vaccine when these phones tell us where we are at any moment, right? They have one that tracks you everywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I appreciate you said there's some good news in there, which is as Christian leaders, we can help our congregations and and connect with other Christian leaders to uh, see the value of science. Do you have any other words for the church that come out of what you just said or for other things in your experience? One of the position papers uh, that were written by, uh, by, uh, by an upcoming uh, epidemiologist uh, and biologist uh, that we engaged to our project. You know, unbeknownst to us, this, uh, we knew uh, the lady was a lady, uh, a lady of faith, uh, Dr. Don Shell. Uh, what we didn't know, she was uh, actually a youth pastor. Uh, so she had both, uh, she spent both, uh, both sides of our, of our project, the theological side and the scientific side. So uh, she created a paper that that was, uh, at least for me, from from the theological message to the church. You know, uh, the the message of hope to the church uh, was outstanding, uh, and I used some of her framework uh, to kind of create a, a document that we're putting together to distribute to our local churches uh, in the hopes of, of 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 creating a positive message. Of, of God's desire for his community today. And, 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 and it, was, uh, it was enthroned uh, in the idea or rooted in the idea uh, that God has already endowed us, uh, you and I, uh, people of faith, people uh, that approach uh, with, uh, with the intellect, uh, with the capacity, um, and with the knowledge uh, to approach uh, whatever needs are in our community. Um, so uh, we only need to trust in God and follow the plan that he has already established. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's the idea 
uh, that that kind of uh, jumps out of Leviticus uh, as 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 God commanded uh, people to deal with leprosy, which was a uh, an infectious, uh, deadly disease. Uh, he se- he separated a group of people. You know, the priests go and go and talk to the priests because I have given them instructions on how to deal with this particular issue. Uh, and as you dealt with them, uh, as, as as you go and, and and you deal with them, uh, you will you will you will find the answer to your problem. And if you trace those instructions all the way back uh, to the New Testament, uh, when Jesus encountered the ten lepers. Uh, Jesus did not heal them miraculously like, like you know, sometimes he did. He just hearkened back to, you know, this is what God said already. So go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they trusted uh, uh, in God, as, as they trusted God instructions, uh, as they moved in the direction that God already had established, they were healed. Um, you know, so people, some people focus on, hey, only one of them lepers came back. And yeah, only one came back, but all of them were healed. Why? Because they complied with God's instructions. They did what God asked them to do. And the same thing kind of rings true for us today. As we trust in the things that God has provided for us, the tools he has given us, you know, we're made in his image. Uh, and that, and, and that, is, that, that relates to, to our capacity of thinking critically uh, of understanding our world and harnessing the things that God has provided for us uh, to provide answers to our quandaries and our problems. So as we trust God, God's eternal truth and God's eternal message, we will find the answers for our problems. Uh, and, and, and that is, uh, I think that, that is an outstanding uh, approach uh, to how God deals with us today. Oh, preach it, brother. I love it. I love it. Let me just say we've got we've got a few more minutes. We're going to be talking, but uh, I wanted to point out that we have a newsletter that Science for the Church just did this week with uh, with you, Ed. And so, if anybody wants to look at that, who's listening, just go to scienceforthechurch.org, and you can go to our on the blog, and you'll find uh, more of Edgardo's insights with some resources as well. Uh, yeah, I I think what you just said was so good and um, such a hopeful message. I mean, I. I have to be honest, um, as a pastor, uh, my pastoral heart, as it were, is always on. You know, it's like I, I have uh, concern for my congregation or my people, people that I love and care for, that so often they're uh, misunderstanding the value that science can be, uh, particularly with COVID. You know, we have, in, in, particularly in this country, we have such leaders, international leaders that we can draw on. And many of those, like Francis Collins, are Christians, right? Are people of faith, of deep faith. And so, um, you know, my pastoral heart comes out whenever I think about how do we connect science with our Christian faith. And one of the things that I want to keep emphasizing is, you know, STEM, science, uh, technology, engineering, and mathematics, it's a way of community development. And I think we see that across the church that many times Christians are underrepresented in these fields, but particularly, of course, in Latinx communities. I say, of course, because these statistics are widely dis- uh, discussed, at least in the circles I run in. We need to make sure we encourage people to go into STEM. But also, I think, you know, this idea of providing an additional window into God, that science provides an additional window into who God is. Let's go back a step. And what you just talked about also, that science and God's healing can come through science, right? 
uh, I think we both are willing to say God can heal directly. That's the power we see in Jesus. And, and, and yet most of the time it's through a science and technology that in modern medicine that we, we find healing today. Um, but I do want to get to that topic. You know, you've done some interesting work with neurotheology, right? Um, and that was one of, in this great uh, conference, I believe that was the right title for it, event you had uh, last fall, you had some neurotheology come in, you know, this understanding of how we're designed in our, uh, through neuroscience, how neuroscience sees us, and what that tells us about God. So can you tell us a little bit about how that came in, uh, this idea of neurotheology? It sounds very esoteric, and yet it, landed, it lands really well, too, right? Yeah, it is funny that you uh, refer to it as esoteric before, right before coming uh, into this space, I was uh, doing another presentation uh, to our staff uh, and I was discussing uh, neurotheology and, 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 and I was talking about, you know, uh, for some people it may sound esoteric in nature. So we're just kind of a uh, kind of the same wavelength uh, and, and looking at it uh, from from kind of the same perspective, because, you know, there's there's kind of a disconnection uh between neurotheology uh, and, 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 and theology as, 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 as an instrument of faith uh, and, 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 and doctrine and, and, and reflection or, or reflecting on, on God and, and, and what he wants us uh, to do. Uh, one of our experts, uh, Reverend uh, Dr. Carmelo Santos, uh, he, uh, his, uh, his space, uh, he has a dual space, uh, biology uh, with, with, uh, with a real uh, scholastic and, and, and academic interest uh, in, uh, in neurotheology and, uh, and, uh, and theology per se. Uh, so uh, he, he wrote uh, a paper that addresses the issue. Uh, and uh, one of the things that, that, that he speaks about is the fact that, that neurotheology uh, is, is, is a way of, of helping us understand that, you know, the, the reference of the psalmist, you know, the, 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 the creation, the, the heavens, uh, the, the things that we see around us uh, declare the glory of God. But he says there's more uh, to, these, uh, to this idea than, than, than just looking outside uh, of, of our physical beings. Uh, because as we look inward to how our brains uh, function, uh, there is where we can actually see the glory of God uh, in its full manifestation. And, and God's uh, imprint, the imago dei, fully, uh, fully functioning in our, uh, in our beings. Uh, you know, uh, things like in Genesis, uh, where God speaks about of, of you and I uh, and, and the rest of humanity being, uh, being made in the image and in the likeness of God. And uh, as we move to uh, to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, uh, where the writer speaks about the fact that the fullness of God, the wholeness of God, the, full of his, the, the fullness of his deity uh, indwells our body. Those, those are minds, you know, they, they defy uh, our conception of physicality uh, and, and, and how God can, can, can do that. And, um, and, and Dr. Carmelo Santos uh, speaks about the fact that you know psychologists and 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 neurologists have been have been able to uh, uh, to empirically uh, prove and empirically see uh, how our brains uh, function uh, in, in in terms of of that spiritual connection. You know, when when we think 
uh, deep spiritual thoughts, when we are uh, engaged in prayer, in substantive prayer, there, there are specific uh, areas in our brains that kind of light up uh, that otherwise would not, uh, would not light up. Uh, you know, uh, they have been able to study how the amygdala, the hypothalamus and the hippocampus is affected uh, by, by, by these deeper spiritual uh, connections to the point that we speak of a, of a God spot uh, in our brains. You know, that, uh, that place where we are, I don't know, it's in Wi-Fi or hardwired. Not, however, we are connected uh, with that esoteric, uh, with that esoteric, you know, aspect. I have been able to prove empirically uh, that there are some aspects uh, of, our, of our being uh, that truly behave in a different way uh, when we are uh, connected uh, with God uh, in, in, in this way. Even, uh, even uh, people that, 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 that suffer epileptic, epileptic, epileptic seizures, I'm sorry, uh, especially uh, epilepsy that is, uh, uh, that is uh, located in the frontal cortex, uh, when, when they are having these uh, this episodes, they report this deeply uh meaningful spiritual uh travels or 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 episodes or experiences uh that stem out of this uh, uh apparent you know dysfunction of uh, of the brain uh so so we are interested in exploring that connection because because you know most people will say eh, nah we don't even want to know that because we go back to you know the bible doesn't speak about that ergo we, we need not to concern ourselves uh, with it. Uh, but hearkening back, you know, to your idea of science as, a, as, a, as, as an additional window uh, in, in our edifice of, of, of God's manifestation uh, to us, uh, his creation, uh, and, and, and giving us a deeper, uh, a deeper understanding or a deeper view of this world, uh, I think that that's exactly what a neurotheology does for us. Uh, it's painting a picture of something that was hidden and tucked away uh, in our brain. And, and, and we don't understand all the ramifications and all the implications uh, behind that. But we can see the importance uh, of exploring how, how much we are spiritual beings uh, and how much we are meant to be connected uh, to God uh, and, 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 and how much uh, we benefit from that connection. Uh, our 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 mood improves. Uh, uh, some uh, some some doctors uh, talk about uh, how people uh, that have a a a a a, a faith based uh, how how they heal faster than people that uh, that lack uh, that spiritual connection um, and and how we can benefit you know by pushing uh, that understanding to the forefront. And, 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 you know, and, 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 and kind of discussing those things and, 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 and making people understand or, or, or at least see the importance uh, of, of, those, uh, of those dynamics. Uh, I think that you and I have spoken about, you know, theology and, 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 and science uh, as, as those two windows of, of our building, of our edifice. Uh, and uh, I think that, you know, sometimes uh, uh, we just get so wrapped up in our semantics uh, that we are speaking about the same thing. We're just using different words, and we cannot see past our semantical differences. 
and I think that that's what science does. You know, we are looking at the same picture, but from two different angles uh, of, uh, of the building. Theology doesn't dispute science, and science doesn't dispute theology. We are speaking about the same God. We are speaking about the same creation. We are just describing it from two separate and distinct vintage points that come together to give us a wider appreciation and a deeper understanding of how God works in us, through us, and how he reveals himself to us and through creation. Oh, I love that. I I've, I honestly, we're pretty close to the end of the time. I think we could just leave it there. Uh, and that's a great summary in some ways. So the Reverend Dr. Doctor, I'm going to give you that second oh, PhD God. already. <laughs> The Reverend Dr. Dr. Edgardo Rosado, thank you so much for this conversation, and thank you for those who have been listening. Um, it has really been a pleasure to talk with you, so thank you for your insights. Oh, thank you for the opportunity of sharing with you and having fun. It's been great. These events always produce unexpected and interesting insights, in my opinion. The highlight for me was the contrasting Reformed and Wesleyan perspectives on faith and science that Greg and Edgardo shared during their conversation. Even with the Protestant tradition being the boundaries of who was represented here, there are many time-honored approaches and different approaches to understanding and integrating scientific knowledge and fidelity to the Bible. So with that, we remain on our summer schedule for the podcast. So while signing off for now, we'll talk to you again in August for more of our Summer of Science programming. Go in peace. The Upwards podcast is supported by the Stephen and Laurel Brown Foundation. It is produced at Upper House in Madison, Wisconsin. Music by Micah Bear, audio engineering by Andy Johnson, and graphic design by Madeline Ramsey. Follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn with the handle at Upper House UW.